chapter 4, verses 17 through 24. So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught, with regard to your former way of life, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God, in true righteousness and holiness. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The way this passage starts is a reminder of who is speaking and who they are speaking to. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, writes the Apostle Paul to the believers in the church in Ephesus. I love the emphasis, so I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord. What that kind of sounds like, and, and even a, a fair understanding of, of the emphasis behind it, is if you were um, ever at home with your siblings when your parents were away, and perhaps an older sibling took charge and said, this is what we've got to do, and we're going to get all these things done, they might have told you, this is what we're going to do, and just you wait until mom and dad get home. This is the Apostle Paul saying, I insist that this, this that we're going to talk about, is the explanation of how to now begin to live in light of God's grace and mercy and love. It's as if Paul is saying, I'm going to tell you this, and God is backing me up on this. I have God behind me as I share these words to you on how we live together and in the world before the Lord. I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, what? That you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. Now, just remember that we are in Ephesus. This is where the, the letter is being sent to. And, and verse 17 tells us that we must no longer live as the Gentiles do. In Ephesus, most of the church would be Gentiles don't live as the Gentiles do. They are mostly Gentiles. There would be some Jewish converts there as it's a, it's a trade city uh, and there's people going all throughout. But these would primarily be Gentiles. And we're told to not live the way they do. This would be like us at North Holland today receiving a letter that if we were going to change the wording around for the same kind of head-scratching reaction would be to say, so I tell you this and insist on in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Americans do. And we would be like, hold on a second. But that's who we are. Don't live as the Gentiles do. They are Gentiles. They're not being asked to live as the Jews either. The Gentiles are not one people group. They are 
everyone who is not Jewish. Don't live as you were. Don't be the people that you used to be. But rather, this is all setting up for us to understand and appreciate the, tr the transformation between old self and new self. That the old self, the way we were, the way we might, the way we are at times, the old self was put to death with Christ in that extreme of terms. The old self is gone so that the new self can emerge. That that is the, the pinnacle that we're headed towards. The sight that we have is the new self as created in Christ. And as we build through chapter 4 and 5 especially, we're going to continue to uphold that, that this is what we're growing into, this new self, new life in Christ. In that way, for this week's, uh, maybe because last week, um, if you were here, you might remember there was a short poem. I have no poems today. Um, other than um, a humorous note that someone um, in the sanctuary today saw raccoons in their yard this morning. If you were here last week, you'll know why that's funny, um, and we'll leave it at that. But for this week, in thinking about this text, as we've kind of dipped back into the foundations to emerge into uh, next week, the, the title that I came up with for this text, for this sermon, is Old Self new self, bad shelf, you shelf. In part because it rhymes and also because I think it gets at the heart of something important. And it is actually a reasonably good tongue twister, so I encourage you to read it off your bulletins or off of the Facebook Live heading, old self, new self, bad shelf, you shelf. You say that a few times, good luck. But this old self and new self, this is about moving in our hearts and in our minds closer to Jesus. And, and that there is an, an expectation that there will be something different. Not just different at one point in time, but continuously different. Continual transformation because we believe this is the work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts, in our lives, and in our minds. And so, in this way, Paul is separating out, saying, don't, don't live like the people who are much the same to you in many, many ways, but you will be different. And the first difference that's noted is that the way you were and the way they are is hardened in their hearts, meaning almost numb to that around you. The ignorance that is in them separates them from the life of God because of the hardening of their hearts. Now, this is contrasted with new life. In verse 23, where we're told that we, will, that we will be made new in the attitudes of our minds. We go from hardened hearts to new attitudes in our minds. This sounds very similar to what we pick up in Romans 12, where we're told, in view of God's mercy, to offer our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, this is our true and proper worship. Don't conform to the pattern of this world anymore. Don't conform to the old self, no matter how good you thought it was, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's Romans 12. And here in Ephesians 4, we have the same movement from hardened hearts to new attitudes of our minds. Old self to new self. 
I would say that our hearts can still be hardened at times, though. It is possible for us as human beings on our own capacity to lose patience, to get weary, to seek pleasure and satisfaction in the wrong areas that eventually come up dry. We can be pressed to the point of being angry. We can act out of character when we are just tired and done. And our hearts can be hardened. Our hearts can be hardened if they are not softened with love. And left to our own devices, we will have hard hearts. And that is the old self. What we're being invited into, not, not bullied into, not coerced into, but what we are invited into is new life in our heart and new life in our minds. But to understand what we're going from to what we're going to, the description in verse 19 helps us see that a little bit more clearly, this old self to new self, and then we'll get to bad shelf, you shelf. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. Now, if you're reading an older translation, then it will say they're full of every kind of impurity and they always are lusting for more. So we've changed out the word greed and lust. In Greek, the word is planexia. It is the word for greed. So older versions of the NIV smoothed it out to keep it kind of all in the same topic. But the word here is greed. As we go from sensuality and impurity and they are full of greed. Now, if you remember, or maybe, maybe you don't, which that's fine because we don't want to remember too much from this particular time period. But in 2020, maybe shudder a little bit. In 2020, before Lent, we were doing a series on the seven deadly sins. Lust and greed go together. They go together and throughout centuries of church history, they have been identified as similar because they have to do with misplaced appetites and what they have been called by theologians throughout all time, um, from Thomas Aquinas to Billy Graham, lust and greed have been thought of as the appetites that are never satisfied, that you can never get enough. We can think about that with lust, that there won't be satisfaction, our hearts grow hardened and we're always looking for some pleasurable high that we cannot find. And we can think about this with greed, whether it be with money or we can be greedy for attention, we can be greedy for all kinds of things, but we will never have enough. We will never be satisfied, whether it be lust or greed. The appetites that are never satisfied will leave our hearts hardened because we can't get enough. And as our hearts grow hard, we can no longer find satisfaction. This is the old self. This is the self that goes through life looking for pleasure, but ending up just wanting to be numb. Looking for security, but only growing more anxious. The appetites that are never satisfied are the things that we are invited, if we are living in Christ, to have put to death within us. That that can be part of the old self. And that, that where we are going to find true satisfaction, where our appetites are going to meet the right substance to feed our hunger, is only in Christ. The appetites need to be satisfied with something but there's nothing this world can feed them. 
that will truly satisfy. Old self to new self. But, Paul goes on, this is not the way of life you learned. This is not the way of Jesus. We're inviting you into something different, something better, something where you will find true satisfaction the way your heart was meant to find satisfaction. This is where we go from old self to new self, to be made new in the attitudes of our minds. There was a former way of life that we were told to put off so that we could put on something different. Old self, new self, bad shelf, you shelf. Think of it this way. We always will want more if left to the old self. And we'll never quite have enough. I, I think of um, the way maybe if we just want more and more stuff, we can surround ourselves with stuff. And we can be a pack rat of all pack rats. But the stuff will never bring satisfaction. But rather than just get after ourselves a little bit too much, or rather have the gospel introduce shame into our hearts because we are free from shame and condemnation in Christ, rather than thinking of your life as this place where there's just shelves that are too full of stuff that you um, have been too greedy or have grasped too much of, I would rather you first think of yourself as the shopkeeper of your heart and soul. Think of yourself as the shopkeeper. Now, if you've ever worked in retail of any kind, you know that there has to be a certain amount of good inventory for things to be healthy and well. But too much inventory that's not moving is a bad thing. The invitation from old self to new self, bad shelf to you shelf, you as you were meant to be in Christ, is to make sure that we don't stockpile the wrong kind of inventory. That our life does not grow full of things that we both don't need and won't bring satisfaction to us. Because the way we will get caught in our old self, and even after we have come to know Jesus, this is still a trap that can always be waiting for us. We will want to fill our lives with the inventory that we think brings us pleasure. And maybe that's money, maybe it's attention, Maybe it's chasing that paradise of the perfect vacation that you want to go on, the trip that will just solve all of life's problems. And where we are designed for rhythms of Sabbath rest, there are also ways in which we will never be fully satisfied. We need Christ to be the shopkeeper with us in our hearts, to know what kind of inventory are we keeping? What are the things that we hold on to that, that need to be get rid of? I know that when I learned this example somewhat painfully, um, my first job off the farm, I worked in a hardware store, and I actually got put in charge of inventory for an aisle. And there was um, machine belts um, for all kinds of different um, sizes and movements. And I was told to go through with the little scanner orderer thing and order anything that we needed more of. What I didn't know is that there was another number on that little uh, machine that told us how many came in a box. <laughs> and so I see, you know, we've got one 26-inch belt left. We probably need three or four more. That would have been great if they didn't come in packs of 10. I will say my managers were not pleased because now we had like 46 26-inch belts. We don't need that kind of inventory that will not 
move. The inventory that we are to stock up on is the fruit of the Spirit, of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against these things there is no law. This is where God's Spirit is. So if we think of old self to new self, bad shelf to you shelf, the question to take with you in your heart is this, what inventory is your life most full of? This can be a posture and attitude of our hearts, but it also can be seen in our homes, on our property. What do we stock up on the most? Now, it's not been so long since we were frustrated, humored, annoyed, or desperate because people have a tendency to hoard. Do you remember the great toilet paper shortage of 2020? We hoard things. What kind of inventory do we stock up on? In 2020, it was toilet paper. People stock up toilet paper, um, dry goods, sanitizers, and ammunition are some of the things that we tend to stock up on. This is not the inventory that we are called to be full of. The inventory of our hearts needs a diligent and watchful shopkeeper to ask, what are you trying to fill your life with? And will it bring you satisfaction or will you eventually be numb and find your heart hardened because you're not satisfied with the trip you went on or the amount you've um, accumulated or the promotion that we got? These can all be good things, but they're only a part of the inventory. Friends, old self to new shelf, bad shelf, you shelf, is about making sure that our inventory is in the right amounts and that we're not stockpiling the wrong things. There is a bad shelf in our life where something that could be good and acceptable is overstocked. A crowded shelf is not appealing. This is a bad shelf. We would invite the you shelf is you in Christ. Now, although this is all written in second person plural, it's written to you all, you's guys, is who this is written to. The reason I would say bad shelf stuff that we don't want to overstock in our lives, we need to move to the you shelf. The reason I would even say starting with the second person singular, you individually is good, is this. When we don't want to confront our own pain, our own problems, or the inventory in our lives, the first thing that our human hearts will be led to do is to displace blame on someone else. If we can't keep shop in our own hearts, we will be very quick to critique those who we don't think can keep shop in their hearts and lives. Start with you. Because who has the most influence over your life? You. So we need God to be the shopkeeper with us and to start with our own hearts, to start with our own inventory. What have we stockpiled that we don't need to? What are we a little bit short on that we need more of? Old shelf, old self, new self, the old way we were, the new way we are called to be in Christ, bad shelf, crowded, stocked, overpiled with inventory that we don't need to you shelf, you and Christ, united through Christ's death and resurrection. Bad shelf to you shelf. Put off that old self which is being corrupted by deceitful desires, by the whispers that, that tell us what we think we need. But be made new. Keep your inventory. And if maybe you think you've got that down pat, if the inventory in our life is all well-balanced, or maybe if we're stuck, we don't know where to go to next, 
if we're checking the posture and attitude of our heart. Ask someone who you trust and who you know loves you, someone who from last week would speak the truth in love to you. How do you experience me? What do you see in my life? If you ask someone that in sincerity, someone who knows you well, someone who can see maybe what you have a little bit too much stocked up of in your life, in attitude, in mind and heart, or what you maybe don't hear from them, what they don't see in you. We need sometimes a third eye to help us keep inventory in our hearts, to know what's on your shelves, not only your physical shelves where you live, but also what's on the shelf in your heart. What should be used and, and active, but instead has grown a little bit dusty and is sitting on the shelf. Old self, new self. Bad shelf, you shelf. Friends, may we be stockpiled with the things that bring true satisfaction, both to us, and if they bring true satisfaction to us, it will be that which is pleasing to God. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Let's pray. God, we ask that you guide our hearts, both in prayer now, but always throughout every hour and day of our lives. God, help us to be mindful of what it is that we try to stockpile in our hearts, what do we surround ourselves with, with the intent of security and satisfaction? God, we come to you in this moment and simply ask you, by your Holy Spirit, to give us a good look at the shelves that make up our hearts. Help us to keep shop in a good way, to build up the inventory that comes from your Holy Spirit, and to cut back or move along on that which we do not need, no matter how much the enemy whispers to us that we need it. May our attitudes within our minds be transformed and renewed. May we be able to put on that new self. May we find the true goals in life are to pursue more and more your righteousness and your holiness, God. May we find righteousness when we see you and know once again that we are right with you, not because of what we have done, but because of what you have done. May we yearn after your holiness, knowing that you and you alone are the standard for that which is good in the universe. May we be right with you and celebrate the cross. May we find your holiness and moments where your holiness shines through us. God, for this, we need your Holy Spirit. We need your Holy Spirit to keep shop, that we may keep the right inventory in the right amounts on every shelf, and that your word, your presence, and your gifts in our life are not left to collect dust, but are put to good use. By your Holy Spirit, make us new, again and again and again and again, day after day, until we see you face to face and are made perfect in your presence. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Let's pray.